What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Struggle to Strength podcast, your source for real-life application on how to turn your struggles into strengths in all things mind, muscle, and money. I am your host, Josh Levine. I'm joined here by my longtime friend and my co-host, Travis Hatch. And today, we are here to talk to you about a real mental health epidemic that we have in the world today. If you guys have been listening, we recently had a chance to speak with Dr. Sandeep Nayak, a leading researcher at Johns Hopkins Center for Psychedelic and Consciousness Research. If you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend scroll back a few and check it out. But this really made us curious to learn about other psychedelic therapies and what they are and how they work. So ketamine therapy is quickly growing in and as a quickly growing industry it's changing the game by combating the mental health problems that so many face in an alternative way so if you or someone you know has ever ever struggled with mental health i think most people would say yes whether it's anxiety depression ptsd ocd addiction or otherwise there is a real epidemic in the world today, and it's getting worse over time, and we need to do something about it. So in this episode, we speak with Ramey Drozd, who's an ER doctor, he's a kite surfer, he's a savage mountain bike rider, he's a friend of my dad's, that's actually how we got connected. My dad is a absolute savage mountain bike rider, and he hooked me up with Ramey. But he's also a psychedelic medicine expert whose purpose is to provide truly actionable and sustainable solutions to positively impact the mental health crisis through the use of psychedelic-assisted therapy. And today, we're going to be learning about the power of ketamine. So stay tuned because this is, it was a fascinating episode and it aligns really well with what I believe in to avoid band-aid solutions and actually address root causes to create truly lasting, sustainable change. So you're going to love it. Stay tuned. But before we get into it, we ask that as always, if you love this episode, please give us five stars on Apple or a follow on Spotify, scroll to the bottom of your page, tap that five stars, leave a review. We would really appreciate it. Share us on your socials. You can find me at Josh Levine Fitness, Travis at Travis Hawks Media. Links are in the show notes. And that's it. So buckle up. This is a fascinating episode. Get ready to dive deep into your subconscious mind as we welcome Ramey Drozd. started kind of talking to a lot of people about mental health awareness and uh, different, more sustainable and alternative practices. And so I'm really glad that we have the opportunity to talk to you. So I would love to, you know, have you introduce yourself and kind of like you, you sent us in your bio, just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you come from and how you got to where you are now with ketamine assisted therapy, I think would be a great way to kick things off. Great. So, uh, yeah, my name is uh, uh, Ramey Drozd. I'm an ER physician by training, board certified, and worked uh, in like a community hospital for eight years. But I had like, a few um, uh, other interests. I did my, uh, became a fellow of wilderness medicine. I would take sabbaticals uh, regularly, where I, one of which I went to Nepal and I worked at a high altitude aid post. Um, spent some time in South America. I ended up helping run a up Aconcagua and um, but more recently I, uh, I started to explore more active coping mechanisms um, all my patients are in this passive coping mechanism you know doc what do I need and take this in the morning kind of vibe and um, and I did training a, sh a short course with Hopkins and then I recently moved to California and did a longer uh, experiential training with um, 
with a group in the psychedelic healing arts, and it's really psychedelic assisted psychotherapy that um, that I've just recently kind of entered and see a huge potential in. I love that, and uh, I also I, I completely agree, and I've. Um, expressed my the the work that I've been doing with psychedelic assisted therapy uh granted it is not uh doctor supervised but um you know I've talked to my parents about it they believe in it they've seen the growth I I have nothing but good things to say about it and so I'm curious you 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 started off in traditional medicine mm -hmm. what what made you want to transition into psychedelic therapy um you know part of it is actually what I just was saying um there's Western medicine is uh, has a beautiful uh, strategy of taking care of a lot of things. You know, I worked at a really great cardiac hospital where someone came in with a uh, with chest pain and they're having a, a heart attack, an infarction. A plaque is blocking the vessel, and we can get in there, and unblock that vessel. Man, there's no better place to be than that hospital that minute. And a fracture, a um, you know. Uh, an infectious process, we fix it. But that's like 30 or 40% of what we do. And I realized a lot of people were there for something that had nothing to do with what their complaint was. They didn't quite know what was wrong, but they were suffering. And I started identifying that people needed to have more awareness about what it is that perhaps brought them there. What is the root cause behind why you have these various pains? And I saw so much, you know, drug addiction. It's, it's strange. It's, this country, North America, and specifically, but this world is such a sick world. We have, if you look at the models like from the 50s to today, you know, one in 500 people were before. Now it's like one out of 70. And before, some people are on medicines. Now, like, honestly, one out of six adults are on some kind of psychoactive agent. And so we're the most disabled and most medicated world, we're um, country, but. Um, we're, we're working so hard to get better, but we're not getting better. So something's wrong. Something's not working. So my interest was in finding a more active uh, coping mechanism. So um, with uh, psychedelics, it's kind of like a, um, it's more of a active model like physical therapy. Rather than just taking a medicine and getting better, we stop, we try to really create an intentionality, figure out what is, um, wrong, what's the narrative that, that really is serving you or not serving you and then um, and then trying to see if we could disrupt that and, and re look at your life and rather than medicating it, rather than uh, adapting these really maladaptive strategies to get through life, uh, come up with a, a way that will serve you and everyone in your community and help you get better. I love that. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that a lot of times, especially in the Western world, the process is along the lines of here's what's broken. Here's how we fix it. Yeah. And it's, it's very black and white. And the brain is, we don't, we don't know that much about it. You know, we, we had a, a gentleman named Toby Pasman on here who does uh, like neurostimulation and he's an expert on, on the brain. And we we know more about outer space and like the ocean than we do the brain really it's it's uh it, it's it's incredibly complex and so i agree i think that in our western world that this is broken this is how we fix it is uh it, it's too much of a band-aid solution 
you know, take this to offset this chemical imbalance instead of, and not to say that the chemical imbalance doesn't exist, but like work through, understand what your thought processes are and, and why it's happening. Same thing. If you wanted to lose weight, don't just take a pill and do some detox diet with a skinny fit tea or whatever it is. Like learn what habits and routines you can change to help you get to your end goal. So now our ability to like combine psychedelics and things that help us think productively with therapy seems to be this new wave that's been incredibly helpful. And I know that, you know, we have psilocybin therapy, we have psychedelic therapy, and I'd like to learn more about ketamine. So what is it about ketamine that helps us understand more about ourselves and the problems that we're facing? Yeah, sure. You know, it's all to answer your psilocybin versus ketamine question. It, it's all in the same um, spectrum. You know, uh, I'm in training to use MDMA uh, when it's legal, probably next year. And in trainings with people are generating these spaces for psilocybin. Um, I look forward to soon offering all three and other modalities. This is what this one is unique because it's short and it creates a lot of introspection. The other ones do as well, but if you really break down the nuances of what psilocybin does, you know, open, it, it creates a lot of possibilities in mind. MDMA is really a entheogen, uh, it's a empathogen too. It's, it makes you love and, and it disarms triggered responses. It's so effective at PTSD and veteran traumas. Ketamine, um, I can do all those things too. It has all those components, but what it, what the beauty of it is as a, um, Therapeutic model is short acting. So in 40 minutes, you're in and out. So in a two hour session, you can create a lasting change. But what it does is it evokes this huge um, disruption from your, your cortex, your brain, and your subconscious. Actually, I'm, before we go down the road, let me do a little bit of background. If you, if you, the way that our mind has evolved from you know, amphibians to humans, I'll do in a quick three steps. First, we're these animals that just had a nervous system. We, we could breathe, we, could, we, um, we had a heartbeat. There's nothing we could do about it. Mammals became much more complex animals, animals that could react to their environment. They, they felt the senses and they had uh, immediate reactions to things around them. But they didn't project, they didn't think about it. You know, you could see in your National Geographic video, the gazelles running from the lion, and then they stop like a quarter mile away, and you're like, what are you doing, guys? Keep running. The guy's going to come get you. And, then, and you're like, dude, this, is, this could happen in a second. You know, they're not anxious. What The cortex, the human brain, is something that kept developing over that. And it's, it's a linear progression. It's not like a, this grew here and this grew here. It's a part of the same animal. The human cortex allows us to project thoughts. It allows us to come up with a weekend, come up with a beautiful plan, and then get a phone call and have it all canceled, and then get depressed and anxious and disappointed. There was no weekend plans. That was never happening. That was a projection of your mind. You wanted something that didn't even exist. And thinking of that and being disappointed about it and being anxious and worrying about the girl that was going to show up there or not is taking away from your presence. You can only be present as a mammal. You're here right now. You can only be in one place at one time. And you can sense that. You can 
be with your offspring and your siblings and your community. That the, the gazelles are all serving each other. They all have a purpose. They don't have they're worried. The human brain creates worry, anxiety. It creates beautiful things. You got this. You make a podcast and plan next week, and you can and you can um, and you can plan for a Fourth of July party right now because we have the capacity. But it also creates anxiety, depression, and all the things that an overworking brain causes. So what ketamine does, and what it is, is an dissociative anesthetic. So I've used it hundreds, maybe a thousand times in the past 10 years in the ER. And what I do it, use it for is to dissociate the body from the mind so I could use it as an anesthetic. I use it with kids all the time. It's so safe. I can give it an eye injection and sew up their face for 45 minutes and they don't there. If a dog bit up more, put someone's sh shoulder back in and really like use it as an anesthetic. But at one quarter of the doses I use in the hospital, it still dissociates your mind from your, your cortex, from your subconscious. So what it allows you to do is take that, that part of your brain that's trying to intellectualize the solution to everything offline, put you into your subconscious and just see it for a minute and just be like, oh my God, this is what life's like if I'm not worried about my weight. This is what life's like if I don't care what Joe thinks of my sweater. This is what life's like if I stop like mourning the death of someone that has been like a heavy jacket for like a decade and they break through and it creates a reference point. It says, this is what happiness can be for you. And then slowly you come back online and with appropriate therapy, coaching integration, we say, did you see what happened there? How did that, how did that serve you? How, what did you see there? Can that be something you carry with you tomorrow, next month? for the week, and then let's do it again next week. And then we do this, I typically try to get people in for a six week commitment, therapy before, sometimes, definitely after every time before, and we just keep disrupting this model, evoking this like huge crisis, evoking this disruption of, of your mind from your body. And we have that sometimes, you know, if someone like calls you and said your mom's in a car accident, she's in the hospital, you just drop everything and run and go there. You forget about everything. So we try to evoke this process and, uh, and get someone to become really centered. I, I tell people during the sessions, go back in your heart, you know, be with yourself. And then, then uh, they can take a moment to, I guess, I guess be in this ideal form. Most people are, find it calm and relaxed. Some people, you know, it's, it's troublesome. You don't always get the trip that you want. You get the trip that you need. Sometimes they're mm. fighting it. They're just seeing it. But when they come out, after a few sessions, we, we understand it. And that dissociative component of it is why it's so healing. Um, so, so, but it's different than... Uh, go on. <laughs> yeah, I can go forever. It, it kind of seems like as human beings, our biggest strength is also one of our biggest enemies. So evolutionarily, we were able to take over the planet, but we are so weak physically compared to like any animal, you know, like a house cat, uh, you know, a, a medium sized house cat, if it went ape shit could like hurt you, um, versus like a person that size, you just be like, like goodbye snap, you know? And so like in, in like, if you think like going back in time in hand to hand combat against like predators, we would not never stand a chance except for our ability to 
imagine things and come up with plans and like convince people of things that hadn't happened yet. And so it's almost like that biggest strength that we have is one of our biggest enemies. Cause it also comes with all the other side of like worrying about things that don't matter, anxiety, all of that stuff. And so, um, ketamine assisted therapy is a, is kind of a way to like completely dissociate you from, from that sort of thing, like in an instant. And then as you come back into reality, you're kind of like putting the pieces back together, which may have been kind of like scrambled from your own way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious because so wild. I'm, I'm aware, like obviously the dosages used in uh, ketamine assisted therapy versus like your, your medical practice uh, in the hospital would be very different. What kind of doses are used in ketamine assisted therapy and like, what what are they like for the for the listeners? You know, because with those those familiar with psychedelics, like we have the five stages. You know, you like the the stage one, stage two, to stage three, stage five being like the hero's dose, hero's journey, um, where that really profound like ego death and whatnot comes from. Um, but what kind of doses do you use in ketamine assisted therapy? What's that like? Yeah, uh, good question. Um, there's also the modality. So there's three ways of offering it. There's okay. some form of oral lozenges, something that dissolves in your mouth, and you, um, there's IV, an infusion, and then there's intramuscular injection. So intramuscular and IV are like 98% viability within like, uh, so it, almost all the medicine gets into your bloodstream. Orally, it's like 12 to 16% of the medicines that it gets in your mouth, and if you swallow it, it's only like 5%. So if you, you've got to swallow, you know, 20 times as much as you get IV. Mm. Um, and then the, the, the curve is different. You know, orally, it's like a nice gradual, and you'll never hit the same peaks. And then IV is, is, goes way faster, and IM was the same. So uh, I'll just talk about the IM. I like IM. The truth is, if you get an IV and a nurse is sitting in there in the room with you, it feels like a medical model. This, like, just like everything else, it's about set and setting. You know, the theory in some degree was like, it's, that'll help facilitate your trip. I, don't, I think that set and setting is your trip. And I don't use the word trip any of my patients, but under the circumstances, I know you guys are coming from that. The, the, your therapy is molded. It is 100% a lens. It creates a lens into your mindset at that time. And the, and the setting is so important because you have to, I have to gain trust. I have to, the people have to trust us, they have to trust me. I tell them, you know, I've done this a hundred times, your body is safe. You know, nothing you do, no sounds you make will ever be something I've never heard before. So let it go. So that is part of not starting an IV and having a random nurse in here, you know. And one thing I didn't like about the Western model of medicine is I could be behind there, right, have a great patient interaction, write the orders, and that nurse goes in there that, like, I love my nurses, but could be a little, had a bad day, and the therapist might be disgruntled. Something happens, and I'm like, you don't have the, the full high-touch experience. I am, I'm injecting the medicine. I'm there. We're, you know, we can, we're holding hands, touching. We're creating the contact. So I am is um, the way I give it. Um, but I'm not answering your question. One milligram per kilogram is a great starting dose. And we really top out at two milligrams per kilogram. And two is a lot. I, to be honest, I haven't given anyone. That's a lot. But one to 1.5 is the therapeutic range. And someone that is ready, I will start them at one. And, and I let them know at one, you're going to have a dense, 
trance-like state. You'll have, um, you'll feel untriggered. You'll feel disarmed. Most people float. There's always this river sensation. The playlist is very important. Um, maps help curate a really um, uh, effective playlist for the arc of the journey. And it's really amazing after you do this file, there is an arc. It's a 40-minute arc that, this, that the beginning has a steep slope up really fast. And then you kind of have this plateau. And then as you descend, there's a different tempo you'd want. You'd want a different, you'd want a different vibe for entering and you want a different vibe for the float and a different vibe for the backside. And um, it's, uh, it's, um, it's like your, your guide, you know. So the music guides you through it and the doses will determine how high you get up. Um, uh, so at starting at one milligram per kilogram, that's where you get. At like two, 2 2.5 to 0.3, people start having this strong, profound uh, ego disillusion, which is common. But I think what's unique to ketamine is you have a real dense loss of identity. You start, you might, you, you have, um, uh, a question of whether you even knew who you are, you start to disintegrate as far as ever being connected to your body, and at their higher doses. This scares people, but you have this uh, near-death experience. And this, some of the ketamine papers that I first read that attracted me to ketamine in, in general uh, had some good reports on this. Uh, and it's really interesting to experience your death and then to experience your life cycle, and then to experience re-entry into humanity in a 40-minute experience. And when you do, man, you re-enter in a place ready to make changes. And I love when my patients are in the right mindset to enter that kind of feeling, but not everyone is. I'd say um, you'd have to do a lot of preparation to get to that point, even if you took 0.6 or two milligrams. So it's not purely dose dependent. Doses will help guide you, but um, where you are is where the medicine will meet you. And some people can't fully let go of that, but that's the potential of it. You know what this? I could imagine that. And that that death sounds like hero. It sounds like the hero's journey. It is like the death of yourself in a rebirth. Um, and yeah, that that will change you. But if you're not ready for it, that could it could be catastrophic. It could be really bad. Yeah, you know, you would want to go right into it, but it's, uh, it's, it's. That's why. That's why we we always we we advocate for several journeys, and we start slow and work our way into it. And everyone kind of declares what they're ready for, and I, I know no one tries to. We don't try to move too quickly. It, of course. And this isn't mine. I think I learned this from Synthesis, a really great group in the Netherlands. You know, it's uh, it's eighty percent of it's the container. And only twenty percent is the medicine. So who, how you show up, and what your, how thick your walls are, and how tall your, how much volume you could hold. You are the container, and the medicine goes in it, and that's the growth happens inside the container. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, this kind of this kind of reminds kind of reminds me of like going on a really long, really good vacation. You know, maybe you've been like working every day for years on years straight, and you like, you know, everything is very like high strong. And then you just quit your job and you go like travel the world for six months. And then you have like a, you know, no, no responsibilities. You have like a totally 
re you come back like refreshed with a totally refocused look like ready to get back into society. It kind of reminds me of like that type of experience, but like bottled into, like you said, a 40 minute session. It's, Sounds sounds awesome. Yeah. Super effective. <laughs> yeah. Super efficient. Way more efficient. We're about a we're about efficiency here. Yeah. That's what we want. <laughs> you don't have to like fly to Jamaica or go on ayahuasca like weekend. Exactly. Yeah. I, I would love that. I mean, I would love that too. <laughs> but but it, it seems like in addition to there being a need for alternative forms of medicine, there's also a desire for people to like want it to be more effective and efficient. So you could go to therapy for 10 years or you could do six weeks of ketamine therapy, right? Like, is there, are there any, is there any data to show like how much faster and more effective it really is? Uh, kind of, it's, I mean, what you just said, it sounds like cliche. Like I hear yeah. someone's like, that was more effective than six years of working with my favorite therapist, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> I feel like a plaque on the wall and then we like point to that and like, that's what they, <laughs> like what, what the answer is there is like, there's information and there's studies and there's people reporting that, but how do you objectively collect for that? How, what's the placebo yeah. trial for seven years of therapy versus <laughs> experience in the afternoon? So this, you know, there's a lot of data out there and I just got off the phone with someone that says, well, I, I did 30 hours of research, you know, everything is IV and this is better and this is better. I'm like, you're looking at the medical stuff that got published. Mm. I see the effects. It should be IM. You need intentional therapy and you have to be ready for it. Like, don't worry about the other stuff, you know, like, mm. uh, but, but yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. And it, it, it yeah. kind of loops back to one of the original things you said, which is like, you know, when you're dealing with the brain, it's not quite as simple as like something's something's broken. Here's the fix for it. Um, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it seems like it's like infinitely more complex than that. So, you know, people are yeah. always going to want to be like, well, how much more effective is it than regular therapy? But it's like, you know, how do you even start to present yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and the, in a single moment, all six weeks of value, six years of value, whatever the price is. And the price isn't, you know, isn't money per se. I mean, the most uh, valuable resources are time. So you should be somewhere else doing something that's healthy. But all the value can be given to you in a moment's time when you come out of the journey and someone says something and bang, you get it. You've just taken everything you've been looking at and reoriented to five degrees and your house, your mom and your wife and everyone's the same but now you see it and it makes more sense and mm -hmm. you can't i can intellectualize a thousand logistical reasons why i should stop drinking coffee or alcohol or something more functional like just be more around with your kids or something but you can't explain how to embody that you can't teach that but if you come out of this process and you've done the work and someone helps you and all of a sudden you embody it and now you don't think there's no other way of thinking about it. You're like, I only believe in this now. Mm -hmm. That uh, you can't put a price on that, and you can't talk your way around that. If talk therapy didn't work for two years, it's not going to work for six years. Mm -hmm. um, so, but yeah, try something new. Yeah, and I think you know, kind of like Travis said, and, and what you've elaborated on, Ramy, is like this isn't just about chemical imbalances. Yes, they may exist. Mental health is about thought processes. 
It's about frameworks that you've learned from a young age. And if they're unhealthy or unproductive or counterproductive frameworks that lead you down a path of a negative mindset, negative thinking, anxiety, depression, worry, then changing the chemical imbalance isn't always the solution. Like we need to fix the root cause and that's your thought patterns. That's your processes. That's the frameworks that you've learned. So like you said, if you can go down this journey and in a moment's time, come to a realization that changes your ability to think effectively and productively, change your thought process, then you're going to have sustainable change. And like you said, it might not last forever, but maybe it lasts a week. Maybe it lasts a month. Maybe it lasts two months. And every time you do it, maybe it lasts a little bit longer. That, If that doesn't make sense, that that is what creates sustainable change, then I don't know what does, but it <laughs> it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. yeah. So... I, lo I love the concept and I love, like, obviously it, it works. We're aware of that. And uh, it really does hit home to like the power of positive thinking, changing thought patterns, breaking old frameworks, developing new ones and whatnot. But I'm curious to know about like the practice itself. What are, what are like the laws around ketamine? What was it like to start your practice? Were there a ton of hoops to jump through? I'd like to learn more about the business side of this too. Um, yeah, that's, you know, uh, that was intimidating for me as well, coming from a, like academic and off of PCP in the sixties. And it became, they found that the, the, the uh, profile that was so safe that the Vietnam war, like the heat of the Vietnam war in the seventies, they rolled it out as a buddy drug. So they gave it to people to inject their friends when they got injured because their blood pressure and their, their, um, their, uh, cardiovascular, I'm sorry, sorry their, um, respiratory status would be intact. So this medicine has been in heavy, heavy use in the seventies. So it's not a new medicine. It's highly, you know, it's generic and has been for a long time. And so getting access to it was easy. I've used it for a long time. And basically all I have to do is, you know, get my, get the, go through a little bit of paperwork and I can, I can get it for use. It's schedule three, which means, um, I'll say, I'll, in reference, I'll say schedule one drugs are like, you know, cocaine, where there's no medical use for it and it's highly addictive. Schedule three means there's some addictive properties and there are definite medical uses, but because it has some addictive properties, it's control. But schedule three means I don't need like a safe and like a camera on it in my office. You know, I can keep it in a safe, but um, by getting the medicine and applying for a license um, was, uh, was the same as opening any general practice office. Ultimately, what, what the, the thing that mattered to me is that I had to make sure that the practice aligned with my, um, my purpose. And so I had to make sure that I had the proper training and the proper uh, therapists around me. So when I did trainings out here in Topanga in LA, I met several therapists there that were informed in non-ordinary states of consciousness and had, had guided um, uh, used other uh, plant medicine to guide people and had been trained in ketamine assisted psychotherapy. So the, the biggest thing for me was to make sure I wasn't giving the medicine to people and sending them to traditional talk medicine 
therapists. I think ketamine and, and this space in general is, is wasted on the wrong, if not the wrong, the right modalities aren't utilized. So I have a team with like eight therapists now that I know I trust and will be able to hold space correctly for the people I give this to. So for me, the, the getting the medicine and getting the office was, was one step, but really to create the whole experience was, was the, is the part that I'm still doing. And, and that was, um, and that was building this team. So I have a great team now and everyone I meet, I, I make a personality match. I go, Oh, you're, you should meet this therapist. Oh, you should meet this one. And, and once we connect them, then, then we create the, the, um, the, the team. And, and then we can kind of, we work together, we share notes and we, we, um, we make sure that people are, you know, getting what they need. And that's, uh, that's, that's what I'm, that's my, my growing edge really. I think that's really important, especially when you talk about like the set and the setting as like, you're going to go down this journey. You're probably going to do and think and see some weird shit. And if you're not comfortable sharing those things with people, I think that's what the part of why a lot of traditional therapy doesn't work for a lot of people is like, there's not a level of trust and that allows for us to like tell things that we've never told anybody before mm -hmm. in our lives and work through shit that like we're extremely self-conscious of um, or, or like upset by. And so it's, it's cool to hear that there's a process for like essentially just almost matchmaking like a, a client to a therapist as to how they're going to fit, who they're going to interact best with. Um, so yeah, I imagine the people was kind of the hardest part. Like everything else seems like it was pretty standard procedure, but the people are really what make it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's probably a lot of businesses, but this is not like of a course. lot. I have to find people that can hold space in non-ordinary states of consciousness. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah. That, like, that resonates with you. Yeah. Oh, it, oh, it does. I mean, you know, we, you're, you're, you're a burning man guy. You go to burning man. It's like, you just, you find your people everyone's kind of in like a weird state, but you you find your people and there's people that you connect to and you instantly feel at home with. And it's, uh, it's very interesting and it's, it's nice to, it's nice to find those people. It's also nice to be that person for someone. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, that is really important, especially in those altered states can, can be a little bit uh, challenging, but um, man, I'm just fascinated by this stuff. And, and I know Travis, we have a bunch of listener questions. Yeah. I think a lot of them are probably, we may have answered uh, a lot of, at least a few of them is what I'm seeing, but do you think it's uh, an appropriate time to kind of get into this? Yeah, let's let's get into a couple of these at least. Um, let's do it. So the first one that I'm also super interested in is, uh, it's a question from somebody who's in the army and they're asking about, is ketamine being used to help vets, especially with PTSD and kind of what's the, what's the focus around that sort of thing? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think one of the, I won't go into details, but there's four primary indications for using ketamine and one of them is PTSD. And it's because, because that's separation, because if we can take the trauma offline for a minute and you can, and you can be with yourself without the trauma, just with you every morning, every afternoon, every night, just being alone in your own mind, it'll help you understand that that's a reference point that maybe you can access on a regular basis. Um, and, and really, it, everything that we treat, is this, the goal is always to treat the root cause, whether it's addiction or trauma, OCD, 
And so, but PTSD is definitely something that needs a strong disruption to, to see the, what life's like without PTSD. Um, and I think it's really good at doing that. Yeah, that's a... I'm, I'm curious. Oh, go ahead. I, I was curious to just ask what the other three were, the other three indicators of uh, utilizing yeah. ketamine. Uh, mostly, um, there's like minor criteria, but mostly treatment-resistant depression, PTSD, and then anxiety that disrupts uh, your your life to meeting meeting certain criteria. But to be like a board, that's the beauty of actually. This is legal. We're we're entering a, a place that typically you have to enter for legally, and that's changing. The world's changing quickly. Um, but it has to meet criteria for those things, and mm -hmm. and, our, and our clients do. Do you think that'll keep getting utilized um, for a lot of these like mental health issues that a lot of service members are having when they come back here? Do you think like I guess psychedelic assisted therapy because maybe it's ketamine, maybe it's MDMA, maybe it's um, you know psilocybin. Like those seem to be the three main ones. Do you think that that's going to have like a big place in, in kind of treating people as we go forward. Yeah, definitely. You know, in, in so many modalities and, and access is difficult, you know, cause it's expensive. You need, I mean, just paying for a therapist is expensive, much like all these other things. Um, but new modalities will come out groups. Um, I'm actually helping we run a trial right now where we're using microdoses of ketamine uh, with people that are already on SSRIs to see if they can get off the SSRIs, you know, so we're looking at like microdosing, which would be easier to access to gain people access because you don't, um, because then you can do the group integrations um, and they'll lower the costs of access. So I say that because that's, you know, are typically are uh, people with PTSD in general are less likely to go out and reach reach out for help. So if you can lower the the cost and just make it less friction to get uh, access, then um, then it could become like mainstream, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and is that was that kind of one of the factors that really interested you and I'm sure others in starting with ketamine assisted therapy and that it's already legal, we're allowed to do it. And eventually we're going to be introduced and uh, have access to other modalities like MDMA, psilocybin and, and, uh, and other drugs that we find are helpful once they become legalized. Yeah. Um, yeah. My interest was principally um, psilocybin, you know, and I took, a, I just took a six month sabbatical and I think Travis, you mentioned, you know, it's this beautiful time where I mm -hmm. did some introspection an RV and road trip with the kids across around the country. And I was in Yellowstone cool. reading ketamine papers because I, in a podcast, I heard someone mention, oh, you got to read this book. And I, and ketamine is highly stigmatized and it's because mm -hmm. it's, it's a drug of a party drug. Um, and so I carried that stigma with me. I had that bias. I'm like, I use ketamine all the time. Why would I, no, that's not the agent for me, but I read this book and I, and I, and I read things so well presented that this is, this is the real deal. This causes real transpersonal dissociative experiences and articulated in a, by a scientist such that it resonated with what I heard in the, in the course I took in Johns Hopkins. And I go, I can do this now. And if it doesn't align with my, my, you know, my um, purpose or it doesn't align with my practice, I can stop. But if it does, it'll, I'll be that much more ready for when MDMA rolls out and when psilocybin rolls out. And then, and, and God, there's nothing better than to know that there's so many 
60-year-olds that were that lived in a time where drugs were so heavily stigmatized. And I can offer them this non-ordinary state of consciousness where they could resolve this trauma that they've been carrying their whole life or help them deal with grief that nothing else worked. And they can have a real transformative experience that they wouldn't do because everything's illegal and scary. But will now because a doctor that they could trust in a sterile setting can offer this to them. So I saw this as a do it now and it was kind of serendipitous the way I, I came across the book and it felt it felt right and is uh so the answer is i'm in ketamine therapy because it's allowable and i have a license to protect and uh but it's great and I, it's it's really effective and i in five years forward fast forward five years if everything is legal i'll still be using this it'll it, it'll be kind of a la carte like you know this will be that might be better for you and another one for someone else. It's, it's not barrier to these other modalities. So what you're mm -hmm. saying is ketamine is a gateway drug. <laughs> for me. Yeah. The gateway practice. It's yeah, the gateway, it's gateway practice drug. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's something like, yeah, our, the, the people, you know, our, our parents generation, um, you know, they, we were, we were raised that drugs are bad. Stay away from drugs. And, and not about the fact that they're just tools. Like everything we have is just a tool and it can be used for better or worse. And there are certain applications that it works really well in and certain applications that it doesn't. But I think once people start to understand that like everything that we're given, everything that's presented to us, it has a purpose. If it's used properly, then it can really help people. It can also hurt people if it's used improperly, but that's why we have people like you is to help us ensure that these tools are used properly, safely, and effectively. And yeah, once we have access to other modalities, you know, I think a, a younger, I think younger generations have already started experimenting with things like this a lot. They've been experimenting with psilocybin and using it as a tool and not a party drug. And um, it seems as though that's kind of the way the world is heading is their understanding that, you know, it's not just it's not just to get fucked up, for lack of a better term. It's 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 powerful. It's useful. Um, so it's it's cool. It's promising to hear you you say that like MDMA is is in the future as well because that's another very powerful powerful tool. I'm excited about that. Have you have you guys read the book uh, Drug Use for Grownups by Dr. Carl Hart? No, I want to read that though. This is the this is the professor, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a professor yeah. and like a, I don't know, doctor that's been, he's, he started his career by working for like anti-drug stuff. And the reason he got into his career was because like when he, like he, he learned like the, the anti-drug protocol and he was doing studies to find out things about drugs to like make them illegal. And then just kept finding that they like shouldn't be basically. Um, and then he, he uses like drug, you know, different drugs himself. And it's just, I don't know. I was just wondering what your thoughts on where it, thoughts on it, where it's a, it's an interesting, interesting book. Yeah. I, I know him. I've kind of been in this space. As, as soon as I started to, to go into practice, I, I, I've had to read much denser things for, yeah. to help, uh, patients and reading the literature, but, uh, it's on my list. I've, 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 I've heard it. I saw it come through my feed a couple of times. But, you know, it, it's, I had a patient the other day that kept every time the back end, she's like, why, this is bad, I'm doing drugs, you know? Mm -hmm. And and in one of my courses, someone asked a really great question. They go, I've been 
I've been using this medicine like several times a month. And when is using drugs too much drugs? You know, <laughs> she said it. And the person who answered it was a uh, really powerfully, her presence, her high vibration individual. You know these people, like when you're uh, burners or like people that like, you know, that they fill the room, they, they have they have a little bit, you, whatever they're putting down, you want to pick it up. And she says, you have to have a reverence for each experience. You have to have intentionality. If, if you prepare mentally, you, you allocate time, you're going to create proper integration, and you go into the space as a journey, as a healing experience. I don't give anyone drugs. I give them a medicine, and we're healing together. And it happens to be a psychedelic. And to, so this healing ceremony, if, um, if you want to use that word, or this healing practice, um, can be used weekly or as often as it needs to, as long as you create um, the space for it and you're, you're integrating it after. And, and then you, these grown-ups can heal all they want. But if it's Friday and it just pops up out of nowhere and you're also drinking and that's then you're abusing it. And, and uh, it's true of anything. Yeah. Cannabis, mm -hmm. alcohol, uh, carbohydrates, <laughs> you know, like I'll just get a donut, <laughs> you know, like that's carb abuse. You know? Yeah. I mean, I was going to, I was going to say like a lot of us have been using or even abusing drugs every single day since we were like 13 or 14 years old um, in caffeine, you know, and like take, take like a couple grams of caffeine and tell me that that's like a harmless substance. You know what I mean? Like it can <laughs> totally- be your last kill. cup Yeah, that'll be your last, that'll be your last headache. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it, so it's kind of interesting. It's like what, who determines what's a drug and what's just like a thing that, you know, you can, if you drank like four bang energies, which would be like, no one's carding you at the store or telling you to not do that. That's like, how much damage did you just do to your heart in, you know, a couple oh. hours? So, um, yeah. yeah. And that, yeah. that's, that's kind I mean, of, a, go ahead. Uh, I've probably admitted 10 young adults from pre-workout related injuries, <laughs> you know, rhabdo, small heart attacks, you know, like uh, actually both those things, but like real profound experiences. And like, I started asking that, I like look at them. I'm like, if you look like Josh, I'm just going to ask pre-workout, <laughs> you know, and, uh, I don't like anticipate what they could, what all the mistakes they could be making. And like my discharge instructions are like, don't do pre, take pre ever again. <laughs> like yeah. whatever's in there, it's not good for you. It is for sure hurting your body. And it's probably just hasn't made it on the radar of that yet. That's honestly something that concerns me because when I was younger, I drank so much pre-work. I would drink pre-workout like before I went and played football games. It's like, there's Dude, like, and that that's was such a bad mistake. Uh, my mom always said, don't do that. And I was like, ah, whatever. And now I'm like, fuck. I don't know why. And I that was that. in the Jack 3D days. Yeah. That was back was in the like Jack meth. 3D days when they were using methyl diet, methyl diet, however you say it. Um, and yeah, everyone's trying to make pre-workouts that are like really powerful that you feel. And then you feel them and you're like, oh shit, I think I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> not, not ideal. So yeah, application and intent. Like what's the purpose? The purpose of a pre-workout, pre-workout, for example, should be to enhance performance to help you know, like clear lactate from your system to have like actual functional application, not just make you feel like you want to run through a brick wall. 
And I think the same holds true for any of these other drugs. It's like, what's the intention behind you using this drug? Are you just trying to party and get fucked up? Are you just taking it because like whatever, you're already having fun and why not add to it? Or are you trying to work through something? Are you trying to learn something about yourself? Are you trying to answer a question? Are you trying to get closer to somebody? There has to be intent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we do have a couple other questions and this one, um, I'm actually really curious about it as well. This comes from my girlfriend, Alexa, who is curious to know when ketamine therapy was introduced to the medical world, were there hypotheses to a specific patient profile that it may treat like specifically PTSD, specifically depression or anxiety, or was it kind of just like an experimental blanket treatment that they use for a number of ailments to see what it worked best with? Good question. Um, I'll, I'll confess that I don't know the details of the history. I've read some, I've read, I think the best books outlining it, but I haven't dug deeper. The, the earliest stuff came out like in the seventies, but the really the papers that I would say that were unique were in the eighties. And the ones where I'd say they started making, where I started taking notes were in the nineties. Uh, Klopp, I think, uh, Eli Klopp, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, produced a really good uh, research in Russia looking at addiction. And I, that's, that's, I remember reading that chapter in, uh, in Yellowstone and being like, this is, this is profound, where he used, he created a real intentional one or two week retreat for people that were using alcohol, that were going to, for alcohol rehab. And alcohol rehab, like effectiveness, remittance, it's like 13%. I, I, I don't want to quote that as science, but it's very low. And I, I'm, I'm sorry if the, someone's listening to this and they, they know the number is higher or lower. But he was getting something in the order of like 70 or 80%, or let's say a 70% just adding ketamine. And then he created a really good program, creating intentionality, having people meditate daily and think about their their vibration in the universe, and then journaling, and then de having changing their diet to a lower detox. And then, and, and this is something I, I tell every one of my clients, this is part of my program, kind of based on his addiction medicine, um, and detoxifying and looking at the agents that you add to your body the dull your senses and the ones that inflate your ego caffeine five hour energy you know these things inflate your ego they make you more make your human brain so active that you can't be in your subconscious and sedatives deflate everything so that your subconscious doesn't make sounds so that you can't like be yourself so this asks you to do several steps to really 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 be conscious so that when you take a journey a round trip ticket into your subconscious when you're down there and the return, you know, when you get back home, hopefully you, some of your baggage gets stuck in baggage flames and you don't have to grab it. You know, you just leave it there. And, and so he went from, let's say, 15% effectiveness to 70% effectiveness. And then with a the program, you got to like 88% effectiveness, even looking at one in five years out. I don't know, five years, but it's definitely one year out uh, for alcohol. Um, uh, um, interest in alcohol treatment. So uh, that answers the question in one regard. Yeah. The newer stuff yeah, that I've looked at in two, like 2005, I read a study recently, and this is when they started really looking at treatment-resistant depression. And I'm not, I, I, I'll, I'll admit that I don't know enough about the literature to say all the population that were looked at, but, but addiction was really close to that early on, and then they looked at treatment-resistant depression, and then other things have been rolled out. It's really interesting. And it all works pretty much the same way by dissociating, entering into the, into the subconscious, 
learning more about exactly what's happening down there, why you feel the need to either think a certain way, desire a certain thing, overcome that, have peace with it. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Root, the root cause, why are you sedating the hell out of your mind every day? What unresolved traumas are you carrying? What, you know, what uh, grief do you have daily? Why are you sedating Okay, so I have, I have another question now. So this past year for me has been arguably like easily one of the most transformative years of my life and definitely the most uh, transformative year when it comes to the work that I've been able to do in therapy. And I think a lot of people, when they, when they start having success on these journeys, it's like you start learning about yourself, you face some of your demons, you start to dig and you start fixing things and the deeper you dig, the more you find. And that can be really overwhelming, even on a long duration, like a long period of time. Do you find that because you're shortening that window and you're getting a lot more done in a smaller time frame, that people at all ever get overwhelmed with the amount of work that they have to do? Hmm. I think most people show up overwhelmed to some degree. You know, they, they don't... Sh- they don't turn to a new brand new modality because they just everything's been okay all month. They so this is an extension, and typically they'll this new orientation, this new uh, this new tool they have, not the treatment itself, but when they leave here, this idea of like God, I should try this. God, what if this were my life? Or uh, that typically makes it less uh, overwhelming. Um, and then some. And then if it's too much, I tell them to pause and then open it up during therapy. It's surprisingly no. So the answer has been for me surprisingly no. But but Josh, it sounds like you might not have one of the classifications for it. You know, if you fell in the category of worried well at all, you know, um, then you're 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 really chipping away at this the, of the uh, at the bottom of the the. the part of your soul that's that's problematic you know you may have already had a lot of it under control and now you open it and you're like oh this is you're really you're really in the details so that's mm-hmm. gonna it's gonna and and that's why you, the therapist is with you you know you, you get to stay with them and keep doing the work and um uh, you could always come back to the journeys and and do a little bit of the work on a daily basis mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think that's 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 valid that's very valid now I think the most important question, I'm looking to make sure if we did touch on all of them. I think a lot of them were answered previously in yeah. our in our conversation. Um, but the most important question that I think everyone's wondering is where can you get ketamine assisted therapy? Is it all 50 states? Is it only certain states? Where can we go? <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. Like as far as I don't I think it's I don't think there's anywhere you can't. Uh, okay. It's been, um, you know, on the World Health Organization top medicines, top like 50 medicines that helped society for like 20 years. So, ketamine is accessible in every state. What you need to do is find, you know, a uh, an informed team. And uh, you'll find clinics all over the place, infusion centers, a place where you can show up, get an infusion, and then go home. Um, that's not... That doesn't have zero value, but I don't. That has less lasting value in in my perspective, and we could have this conversation for a long time. Um, where I would start is maybe 
like a lot of people could find me locally, but the, a lot of people that will hit, ask me in Idaho, how do, what do I do next? How do I get involved in this? Is I would steer them to like a place like uh, psychedelicsupport.com or healing maps and find an, a therapist. And then even, even like I'm working with some people that are like, I really want to work with you. What's next? I go find a therapist in your area. I'll connect with them. If they seem like they can do work, we could we even do a remote session where you can get lozenges. I could and they get them to your house and with the right therapy in person, you can that could happen in a dyadic group. I work with a I just did one the other day where a therapist from San Francisco that has someone that lives here because of remote living or working, she now is back in Santa Barbara home and she was in a Zoom meeting. So the comfortable therapist that she really trusts is here. Me, that she trusts, but only is known for a few days, is here. And it's like a three-person, like or a diet, two healers and one person in space. So if you can find the the team, you can uh, have it anywhere in the world. Um, but I don't strongly recommend doing these remote sessions. So if you go find a therapist in your area that would sit with you and then you can connect with anyone that would prescribe the medicine. But I really, you want the whole program. Like I've designed a program that I really feel strongly about, but, um, but, uh, but struggle those two resources and see if you can find local people, you know, you could hit me up. I'm, you know, Santa Barbara academy.com and I'm on all these other resources, but if you find someone locally, and then they may know someone that can that can prescribe with them, and then they could do home journeys. And then to get intermuscular, obviously they have to be in someone's office. So um, once you start asking about, you meet the right people that can try to connect you. They can uh, offer, um, uh, I guess, connections and places where you can go. Mm-hmm. That's valuable. That's perfect because I, I I've been interested for a long time. Um, and uh, I know people listening to this episode are probably going to be interested in it as well. So I appreciate the, uh, you know, allowing our listeners to reach out to you. I think Travis, did you mention that you had someone local here in Denver in Colorado? Yeah, I did some video marketing work for uh, Clarisana Clinic. There's like four locations or maybe even seven locations in Colorado. Uh, but I don't okay. know them well enough to say like they have a really good team and they do the full therapy side of it. But, um, Mm -hmm. they are definitely like one of the the bigger ones are, you know, around here, Mm -hmm. they have a bunch of locations in Colorado. So that's definitely, if, you know, if you're a local Colorado person and you want to look into this, I would, I would suggest at least contacting them. And then if you're in, in California, definitely go to Rami because he's, uh, He's he's definitely doing yeah. it the right way. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 thinking like we have some friends in LA, and next time we yeah, go, I might Randy, come visit gonna, you. Uh, <laughs> come visit you. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. do. You guys should come I do um, every other month. I'm doing uh, group therapy in this beautiful space in LA. So my next group is in March 12th. You know, oh, and wow. we have this amazing. Like we do the integration online in a group of six people, and then we do it in in, uh, in the space, and we do the the integration afterward. Uh, oh man, this the group healing space is powerful. People, you know, like us guys, it's hard to like kind of even open up in a group. But once someone next to you says something really vulnerable, you want to like one up them. You're like, oh yeah, well I feel this one. <laughs> <You know? laughs> really more than they ever have in the public space. 
or are not totally private space. And then, uh, and it's fun. It's like a, we do this four-hour program, and it's a, it's cool. And then you can, and then afterward, it's kind of like that you can further get your own help later or come back to them every other month, and then you can continue to integrate and do your work. There's a, there's a few different ways of, of getting care, but, um, uh, but yeah, you just have to ask some questions. I think second support is the best place I'd, I'd connect with. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And then you, you also mentioned healing maps. Is that, is that by any chance where we could get access to that playlist that you mentioned? Oh, uh, no. Healing maps okay. is kind of, uh, it's like, with like the cannabis version where it's kind of, uh, like, it's it just kind of shows you where you can get access. Uh, another playlist. Ooh, um, I'm sure. I'll I'll send you guys. I'll give you something you put in your um, in your show notes. Okay. Oh, that would be awesome. That'd be amazing. Yeah, because like, a, like a, a, a duplicate. Nice. I miss that. What? Oh, it's like a. I could give you like a Spotify uh, playlist oh. that kind of some of the the original stuff. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You, you said that. I was instantly well, interested. Yeah, you don't want verbal. You don't want you don't want voices. You don't want like you want it to be pretty like uh, you want it to be response specific, like high high vibration, but no uh, no identity. You don't want a face, a voice. Like you don't want to think. You want it to be a blank slate, but with a lot of uh, potential energy. I love that. Nice. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this, man. This has been an absolutely fascinating conversation. I've really enjoyed this and I appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge and, and, and telling us a little bit more about what ketamine assisted therapy is, why it works so well. Um, I'm, I'm very interested in it. I'm really interested to try it. Uh, I have a lot of friends who talk about it and who have done it. And, um, you know, I, I want to be able to give our listeners a little, uh, the resources that, you provided, which I think are really valuable, but I also want to give them a chance to like find you and learn more about you. So, um, wh why don't you just give yourself a little bit of a plug and tell people where they can find you and where you're located online and different resources that you have. And, um, I think that would be helpful. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I just kind of launched my digital presence, so it's really minimal, but, uh, if you go to SantaBarbaraAcademy.com, then on the bottom, you can find my like three links, my LinkedIn and my Instagram. I think I'll probably be most active on Instagram, just talking. Um, I just talked to someone, I'm going to do uh, like a big, uh, there's like a 1200 room play where we can, I'm going to do a, like a lecture for the Santa Barbara community about psychedelics in general. But, uh, my Instagram is sb.k. I mean, so so you can't write ketamine on Instagram. And it's, it's really? Stigmatized. You can't put it anywhere in there. There's a cannabis got all shut down too. So um, so SB ketamine, but there's a dot between the B and the K. Um, that's the best way you can find. If you find me on my website and you send me a note um, or send me an email or rate me send me um, then I can always help people connect to their local place, you know, their local environment. It's um. You know, unfortunately, it's like a high-touch service. So I I just launched, and I'm booking out to March. And it's really nice to uh, make, like, these immediate contacts. But I also don't like that there's a lot of people that it will be harder to access. And um, and I'm thinking about, oh, you know, how what that means for me in the future. But um, but sometimes I can help connect people to their local uh, resources. 
That's awesome. And I, I, I know it will be greatly appreciated, uh, myself included. <laughs> we can find someone here in Colorado. Um, but man, Rami, thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you for agreeing to this. I'm glad that our dad introduced us. And uh, when Trav and I come out to LA, we'll get the whole crew into a group and we'll do a full group setting. There's probably like 17 of us. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I think that would be a great time. Um, but yeah, thank you, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on. This has been really great. Yeah, of course. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for asking great questions. It's really nice to uh, it's just uh, have this uh, platform. You know, this is uh, there's a huge appetite for good information about psychedelics and uh, I can give you my information. 100%. Yeah, I appreciate it. We just want to be able to provide that good information and kind of break the stigma. So uh, it's been it's been really appreciated. So thank you again for coming on and thank you to everyone who's tuned in to another episode of the Struggle to Strength podcast. We'll see y'all next week. Yeah.